Good morning, church. Christ is risen. Viktor Frankl uh, was a a Jewish um, psychologist who lived through the Holocaust. He lived through one of the concentration camps. Um, and he wrote a little book called Man's Search for Meaning. And in it, it's, it's, a, it's a really fascinating, little, little, short little read. Um, and it's autobiographical. He tells a story about going to the camps. Um, and, but he also, as his, you know, from his profession as a psychologist, he, he kind of analyzes and t- talks about uh, what he saw there and kind of the, all of the, uh, you know, reactions that people had uh, in, in this, these really, obviously, horrible and harsh environments. Uh, and one of the things that he talks about is, is just that some people uh, he noticed, you know, very quickly uh, lost hope, uh, crumbled, and, di- and would die pretty soon. There were, there were people that just didn't make it very long uh, in the camps. There were other people who, who really crumbled kind of morally, right? They started just treating their, their you know, fellow, the peop- other prisoners in the camp really poorly. Um, it became, like, became informers for the Nazi guards, those kind of things. And so really kind of lost their their humanity. Um, and, but he said that there were some uh, who, who he saw who, who lasted, right? Who uh, were able to persevere, were able to maintain their, their humanity uh, and, and even to live, you know, live th- through the, the camps and to be released. Uh, and, and what he said and kind of his analysis uh, was that the, the thing that differentiated those people from who made it from the people who didn't make it is that the people who made it they had, they had a hope, they had a, a meaning in life that wasn't tied to their, uh, their circumstances, right? So, so if your meaning in life was your family or your comfort or your job or your prestige or the things you had, then of course, when you go into the camps, it's all stripped away, right? You have nothing um, and, and it would crush them, right? It would crush those people. Um, but for people who had a hope outside, uh, he found, man, they, they could last, right? They, they, they're the ones who were able to persevere. And, and I think um, what, what's so remarkable is that he, he really, through that experience, uh, he really showed that, that humans need hope. This is a fundamental need. We, we can't live without hope. Um, and, and I believe that, uh, that Jesus, and I'm biased, I'm a Christian pastor, I believe that Jesus offers the best hope. Right, hope that, that it not only is not based on our current circumstances, but, but even hope that uh, transcends death. And, and I hope today uh, to, to talk, about, talk about this hope. Um, and I hope if you're, not a, if you're not a Christian here, I'm glad you're here. A lot of non-Christians come to, to church on Easter. Uh, and I hope that you'll start to understand why Christians believe what they do and, and how this hope, uh, what, this, you know, what Jesus actually offers uh, to, to, to you into Christians and why, why we believe what we do. And so um, we'll, we're gonna talk about three things today. We're gonna talk about proof of the resurrection. One, uh, second, message of the resurrection. What, what is it? What does it mean? Um, what does the resurrection mean? And three, the response to the resurrection. Let's pray and we'll, we'll jump into these, these three. Father, thank you uh, for bringing us here uh, this morning. Thank you that, that you are with us. Um, Father, would, would we not neglect your presence here? Father, I pray for, for all of us, myself included, um, in, in this room, that, that we would not miss what you're trying to say to us. Um, don't, don't let us be, be flippant and distracted. 
Um, don't let us just wall off and compartmentalize like we often do. Don't let us just be worried about filing our taxes or what the kids are doing or, or something going on in our family. Um, but, but instead, would you, would you allow us and would you give us the gift of, of paying attention to you? Would you please speak? I don't know, I don't know what, what each person needs to hear, but you do. And so would you please speak to us? Would you lead us this morning? We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. One, proof of the resurrection. Proof of the resurrection. I think Jesus in this passage gives us, I think, three proofs of the resurrection. But, but even before we get there, I'm thinking about people who may be here who, who are skeptical, right? Who don't, maybe, maybe you would say, yeah, like the Bible says that, but... I don't know if the Bible's true. You know, I, I, how, can, how can you be sure that the Bible itself is trustworthy? Um, and that's a great question. I, and that's something that's worth talking about more than just a couple minutes. Uh, I, can't, I can't obviously give a whole lot on this. But I'd love to just tell you a little bit about why I trust the Bible personally. Um, I, I think the, the first thing to say is just that, that the Bible, um, it is a, it's an accurate historical Document. So, so the New Testament writings, uh, we have, we have uh, historians would say they are very accurate documents. Um, the way that they, you know, they, they measure this in specific ways, right? It's how many manuscripts you have, how many copies you have of a text, how, how far the earliest copies you have are from the original, uh, from the original writing. Um, you know, the more copies you have, the closer you have to the original, the more accurate you can be. We have 1,800 some odd copies of Homer. Iliad, right? I think within uh, 800 years of the original. And, and that's pretty good. And, and scholars would say, yeah, we, we pretty much have the original text of Homer, um, of the Iliad. That's, that's a pretty well-attested uh, historical document. Now, for the New Testament, we, we just have, it's just way more, right? The New Testament writings have, we, there's over 24,000 uh, fragments and manuscript, uh, manuscript copies um, and, and some of them dating back to just a few decades after they were written. And so uh, historians would say, man, we really have the words that, that the writers of the New Testament wrote, we have them uh, very accurately in, in the Bible, right? And, and you might, and you can look that up. That's, I mean, you can find more information about that anywhere. Obviously, I can't go in, in depth here. Um, but, but you might say, okay, I, I grant that. Let's say, let's say that it's, it's, these are the real words they wrote. Um, but people lie, you know, people, people make up things. These guys, their leader had just died. They're probably just tr trying to prop up this religion for their own power, their own position, their own money, whatever, to control people. That's why they made this stuff up. Um, and, and I would just point to a couple things in, in the text today that, that uh, make that hard for me to believe. Um, the first one is, uh, is I, I, I really think this is, a, is such an interesting one, um, is that if you look over in, in 24... Uh, verse, uh, verse one, you see the women are the first ones to the tomb, right? They're there, they're the first ones. They, they see uh, the angels, the angels speak to them and tell them that Jesus is risen and they go back and they tell the, uh, the apostles, right? In verse 10 of 24, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the other women were telling the apostles these things. And so women were the first uh, witnesses to the resurrection, this is interesting because in, in first century, uh, you know, ancient world, uh, women were not respected, right? Women were not uh, equal citizens with men. Their, their, their testimony was not admissible in the court. And so uh, no one would have believed them. 
So, so the, the, you know, it's, it's a good question of, of, man, why would you make, if you're making something up, why would you make the central fact of your religion, right? The, everything hangs on the resurrection. If the, if the resurrection didn't happen, if Jesus isn't alive, Christianity is bogus, right? It's, it's foolish. Uh, this is the main thing that has to be true. And you're gonna make the first ones, the first witnesses of this, people who are not trustworthy, people who the, your culture would not trust to be witnesses, right? Even you can look over there in 2410, uh, it says they, they told the apostles these things and then verse 11, but these words seemed like nonsense to them and they did not believe the women. Right? Even, even these guys who knew the women, like they trusted these, these ladies and they're still like, no, probably not. You'll pro- I don't know what happened. Like they didn't even believe them themselves. So wh- why would they make why would they make it up and say that women were the first witnesses to the resurrection? Well, th- I think the best, best explanation is that's what really happened. They were the first witnesses to the resurrection. All right? Another one, another one that just in, in the text even that, that makes, it, makes me question whether this could be made up is, uh, is that, one, uh, the, uh, the men seem... Uh, they're not casting a good light, right? They don't believe the women. When they hear first hear about the resurrection, they don't believe it. Um, and then what we read, if you go over to, to verse 37, that Jesus shows up to them, and they say they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. So they're scaredy cats, right? They're unbelieving and they're scaredy cats. Uh, just before this, Peter, the head apostle, right, has denied Christ, denied knowing him three times. So all throughout, they just look sort of inept, Right? They, they don't, they're not casting a good light. Now, if you're trying to establish a religion, uh, I think you're not gonna, why, why would you give yourself such a bad reputation starting off if you had the choice? And I think, to me, the best explanation is, well, this is just what happened. They were just telling, sharing their experience, sharing the truth of what happened to them. And so I think these and other things, you know, they went on to die for this. You know, no one dies for a lie that they know to be a lie, right? There's all kinds of things you can point to. Um, but these things give me confidence that, man, we have, this is, this is what happened. This is them truly sharing their experience with us. Um, these are true eyewitness accounts and testimony that we can trust. And so let's get to the, the proofs now that Jesus himself lays out for them uh, in, in the text. So look at verse 36. As they were saying these things, he, he himself stood in their midst. He said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled, he asked them, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and blood, flesh and bones as you see I have. Having said this, he showed him his hands and his feet. All right, now, if, if your, you know, dead great-grandmother walked in the room right now and walked down the aisle and walked to the front and sat down right here, you would be freaking out, right? Uh, and, and what would you think? Like, am I dreaming? Like, what's happening? Uh, is, this a, is it a ghost? Is it a spirit? Like, what, what's going on? And this is what they think. Like, they're like, is it a ghost? Is this a spirit? Um, they're, they're really freaked out. And, and, and what does Jesus say to them? He says, touch me. I just imagine reaching out and grabbing John's arm or something. Touch me. See my hand. Why does he say, why, why does he say, look at my hands and my feet? He's got scars. He's like, it's me. You're not making this up. This isn't a hallucination. Right? It, it's me. Touch me and see. I, got, I have bones. I got tendons and ligaments and muscles. It's really me. I'm here. He says, touch me. That's the first proof. 
A second proof, and my, this is my favorite one. While they were still amazed and in disbelief because of their joy, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. I, I love this one because um, I, I just don't think he was hungry. You know, he's, man, resurrection sure takes it out of you. You got any protein around here? You know, I need to, I need to uh, protein up. No, I, I think, what's he doing? Well, he's saying, hey, ghosts don't eat food. Like, it's not just dropping through me on the ground. You know, like, I have a digestive system. It's me. This is my body, right? And he sits there and he eats it. And I just, I just, what was the scene? You know, he's eating this fish. And what's everyone else doing? They're just like, you know, I, like, I don't think there's a lot of side conversations going on. They're just watching him eat this fish. And he eats it. He eats this broiled fish uh, right in front of them. And this is the second proof, right? He eats. He has a body. And this, we don't, we're not going into this, but man, this means so much for us in our resurrection, right? He's the first fruits. We'll go after him. It's not a spiritual float in the clouds. No, no, no. We'll be eaten, we got bodies. We'll have, you'll have scars. Like this, this is our, our bodies will be raised. You and I will be raised. We will know each other. And we will live together on the new earth with Jesus. Lastly, verse 44, he said to them, he told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their mind to understand the scriptures. Okay, this is, this is the third proof. It, it, you know, if you hit a home run in a major league ballpark, that's impressive. You know what's more impressive? Is when you point to that left field wall, right? You point to that left field wall, and then you hit a monster over that left field wall, right? You, you call your shot. Right? What's Jesus saying here? Guys, I called my shot. Right? You remember I told you guys, it's written, Right? I'm going to suffer. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer by the chief priest. I'm going to die. And three days later, I'm going to rise. I'm going to come back. You never believed. You never understood. You never believed. And, but here it is. Here I am. Right? He says, this is, this is what I told you would happen. And now it has. And here I am. Right? So he says, touch me. He eats a fish. And he says, it was written. This is, this is what I told you. I called my shot on this one. These are, these, this is the proof that Jesus offers his disciples when he shows up to them, and, it, and it's convincing to them. Second, the, the, the message of the resurrection. The message of the resurrection. Um, you might think, okay, well, that's impressive. Someone can come back from death. But, but, you know, what does it mean? What's the significance of it? Why does it matter? Um, and, and Jesus tells us, right, this next verse, verse 45. Then he opened their mind, or they opened their mind to understand the scriptures. Uh, he also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. All right? So he says, the, uh, die, I'm the Messiah, I, it was written, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna rise on the third day, and then what? Then what? Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. This message will be proclaimed to all the nations. Right, this is the message of the church. It has always been the message of the church. Uh, this is the message uh, of the resurrection. Because Jesus is alive, we have a message. And what is the message? It's the message that you can be forgiven. You can be forgiven of all your sin. Right, if you're 
a thief in here today, you can be forgiven. If you're addicted to pornography in here today, you can be forgiven. If you're in an abusive marriage, right? If you're the abuser, you know what? You can be forgiven. If you mistreat your spouse, you mistreat your kids, you can be forgiven. If you're addicted to alcohol, drugs, you can be forgiven. If you're a murderer in here today, you can be forgiven, right? This is the message of Christianity. By the way, if you're in here and you're, like, and you're, you're one of those things, welcome to the club. Such were all of us, right? We're, this is our story. Christians aren't better than anybody, <laughs> right? We just have gone, I'm just not good. I need to be forgiven. And Jesus has forgiven us and he can forgive you too. Right, whatever you've done, you can be forgiven. I mean, don't just take my word for it, right? Who cares what I say? What did Jesus say? Right, the one who came back from death, what did he say? He said this message of repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed to all the nations. Right, he's the one who will forgive you. And he offers it today. How, how, how do you get that? How do you get forgiven? Well, repentance, right? That's what it says. Repentance for forgiveness of sins. What is repentance? It, it's turning around. It's turning around. It, it's agreeing with God. That thing is wrong. I agree with you that it's wrong. That, that unforgiveness, that bitterness I've been holding, that lust that I've just held on to, right? That, that, this self-righteousness, I just judge others constantly, that, I, that is wrong, right? Whatever it is in your life, whatever the Holy Spirit is telling you right now, that's it, right? You have to agree with God and say, that's wrong. Forgive me, God. Forgive me for that. I don't want that anymore. Help me. I want to follow you. You died for me. You rose. You're the Lord of life. And I'll follow you. And if you repent of your sins and you cry out to Jesus, you'll be forgiven. You'll be forgiven. And this is the message, right? This is the message we have. This is the message that, that we proclaim to all nations. This is the message that we are empowered for, right? You'll, you will receive power from on high. Christian, you have the power of the resurrection in you. You have the Holy Spirit of God, God's very presence inside you to tell this message, right? You can tell your neighbor, you can be forgiven. Repent, turn to the Lord. He'll accept you. This is the, the, the resurrection. Because he lives, because he lives, this is true. Lastly, uh, we'll see the response, the response to the resurrection. All right, this is in verse 50. Then he led them out of the vicinity of Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And when he, while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they were continually in the temple praising God. They had great joy Right, they had, they, after seeing him, after touching him, after watching him eat fish, after hearing him teach, they had great joy. And of course they did. Right, because if these things are true, if he is alive, 
If he's breathing, right? And if you can be forgiven of sins because of that, then you can have great joy. Of course you can have great joy. This is what it leads to, right? This is not just happiness. Now, it's not just like the feeling you get when you take a bite of chocolate cake. It's like, mmm, you know? No, no, no. It's not, it's not like that. This is joy. This is joy that gets you through the suffering of life, right? Life is difficult, the Bible, I love the Bible, so honest. Like, read the Psalms. There's such honesty there about the hardship and the pain and the suffering and how darkness just seems to always be winning. Right, but, but what gets you through? What can get you through everything? It's joy. Joy can get you through because our hope is not based on, on just a teaching. It's not based on a, of a nice feeling uh, that, that we might have. No, no, no. Our, our hope is not based on our own faith. Our, our hope is based on the historical fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, right? There's someone who was dead and then came through death victorious, right? And we saw it. And so we know now death is not the end, Right? We know that death is not the end. And this is why we get so emotional. Right? This is why you might look around and go, Man, why we're singing, people crying, like what's happening? And the, the reason why is because when we, when we realize these truths again, right? when, they're, when they become real in our hearts, how can we not be emotional? Right? When, when you sing, uh, when, when you sing that, that Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe sin. I left a crimson stain. I was blood red and he washed me white as snow. <laughs> right? How do you not, how do you not, when that sinks in, oh, it makes you, it just makes you weep. I'm getting more emotional as I get older. I think as an old preacher, I'm just gonna cry all the time. Um, and that'll be horrible. You should fire me before then. Uh, but, but, but what is it? It's not, it's not manufactured. No, 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 it's just, when, it's just when we can really remember the truth, right? When we go, he actually loves me. And he showed that by dying for me. And he'll, he'll forgive even me. It's really good news. It's really good news. And it's good news of great joy. And we join with our, with our church family throughout, the, the, throughout Tomball, throughout the country, throughout the world, throughout history, um, right through, even since this, from this very day that we read about in verse 53, they were continually in the temple praising God. They started getting together, praising God for this, and we've been praising him ever since. And we'll praise him until he comes. Amen. Right, this is what we join into as a church family together. And you can join in too. If you don't know him, if you don't have joy that can get you through death, right? And we could talk about that. We could talk about people in the church who've died, right? And, and, and how joy has gotten those families through, right? And it wasn't, it wasn't happy. It wasn't fun, right? But, but Jesus Christ walked with them because he lives. If you want hope like that, it's available. It's available. And I hope you'll turn to him. Maybe, maybe you think, maybe you've thought um, that you've done something uh, so bad uh, that you could never be forgiven. I think that's kind of a common thought. It's like, 
you know, I've, I've, man, I, you, you know it was wrong. Uh, but and you think, man, if I, maybe if I clean my, get my act together for a couple years, you know, then maybe later, then I could go to God later and say, you know, God, because, you know, because of my good behavior over the last couple of years, could you please overlook, the, you know, what happened before then? Um, and you kind of, you have this like, what, what is that? Well, you're just trying, what you're trying to earn God's love. You're trying to say, look how good of a person I am now. I'm not like that anymore. It doesn't ever work. You can't do it. God doesn't ask you to. To come to the Lord, what do you need? All you need is faith, which is to say all you need is nothing. All you need is to open your hands and say, I can't do it. I need you. Forgive me. I hope you'll consider that today. Let's pray, and then we'll move to communion. Father, thank you so much for uh, your word. I thank you for sending your son for us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for breaking through all of our defenses and all the ways that we uh, rebelled against you and pushed you away, all the ways that we, we are proud and we think we, can, we have it together, we think we can do it on our own, all the ways where we, we just we hide and run and, and refuse to, to, be, to submit. Lord, I, I pray for, for the people in here um, who, who, who are running from you, who just honestly would say they hate you if they were honest. I, I pray for them that you would pour your love into their hearts in a way they can't deny. Lord, for all of us, uh, we need your voice. We need your touch. We need you to pour your love into our hearts. We need to remember again the truth that we know that Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. We're forgetful, we're weak, we're distracted, we're lazy, we're all these things. You know it better than we, but, but we're yours. And so we, we submit to you and we ask for your presence, we ask for your help. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.